670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 607. Good morning. It is 29 degrees in downtown Boise and some areas of the Treasure Valley seeing some thick fog this morning. It's a little backwards uh, than what it normally is. Normally in Canyon County, it's really thick and then a little lighter as you get into Boise. Uh, this morning, Canyon County, crystal clear, but mm-hmm. as you get into Boise, it gets uh, a little bit thick. So Debbie was out late uh, working last night, and she got home around 2 a.m., and this morning she informed me that there was no fog at 2 a.m., and then we left the house shortly after 5, and it was very, very thick in our neighborhood uh, up in West Boise. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, less so when we got downtown, but there was a bunch of it up there. Yeah. So just in some areas of the Treasure Valley, you're just going to see uh, a lot of fog this morning, allowing yourself a little extra time. We are below freezing, so some of that fog, if it is uh, sticking to the road, could be uh, causing some slick spots to be aware of. Also, phone lines are open. It is Tuesday for those of you who uh, got to enjoy the three-day weekend. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Civil Rights Day. Uh, hope you enjoyed your time off. It was very nice to have an extra day. We should mm-hmm. have one of those once a month, I think. I was thinking four times a month, but yeah, once well, that, a month would probably would be, do. That would be nice, too. Uh, we do four, have or, a, four or five. We do have another one next month, and then we don't have another one for like three more months after that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Memorial Day after. Yeah, is, an, is the next three-day weekend After Washington's birthday slash President's Day. Yeah, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> some, we, some we have to live with, but oh well. Uh, uh, you can also get through to us uh, a number of different ways. You can get through by emailing Mike at KBOI.com and Chris at KBOI.com. Our phone number, 208-336-3700. 1-800-529-5264. If you have a Verizon wireless phone, just hit pound 670 to get through. You can also text us, same as our main number, at 208-336-3700. Stick around uh, today. $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Bistro in downtown Meridian. That was uh, our sweet deal. I need to check and see uh, how our sweet deals did on Friday. I know that the R&R barbecue sold out. Sold out. And there were, what, 250 of those? Yeah. So that that's a lot. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's the most uh, that we've ever had at one time, and they, they sold out. But um, if you'd like to take advantage, I believe there are still some Deja Brew Bistro uh, sweet deals available right now. You don't have to wait till Friday for a new sweet deal to come your way. Just go to KBOI.com, click on the sweet deal link. And then, of course, as I mentioned, later today we'll have a $50 gift certificate absolutely free that you can win, and that will be the prize for our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question any surprises uh for the opening uh playoff weekend a uh, couple uh not not huge ones but i i sort of thought minnesota would go a little farther than they did yeah i i just didn't, had no confidence in minnesota yeah. at all and proof right i i just i just don't think that they have a great quarterback and i know i mean they were 13 and 4 so results don't you know lie in that fact. yeah uh, but they i mean they have great running backs who stayed healthy all year long they have a pretty good defense in the fact that they're out in the first round of the playoffs again um even with a new coach gonna have to be some inward looking uh the other the other surprise that uh for me anyway 
was the fact that Seattle was able to uh, hang with San Francisco for, for a full half of football. I was going to say for a while, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> matter of fact, they hung with them until the third quarter when then all of a sudden mistakes started compounding on top of their mistakes and ended up easily being defeated, which I expected to happen anyway. I think personally, uh, after watching the first I, weekend, and I haven't seen Philadelphia play this year, uh, but after the first weekend and watching San Francisco play this year, I really believe they're the best team in football right now. Philadelphia, Kansas City, I, I think, is uh, a, a good bet for the Super Bowl. And now that I've said that out loud, it will not happen. <laughs> uh, the one thing, if uh, San Francisco does uh, keep winning, they will have to go to, to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, if, uh, a city of brotherly love, yep. which is ironically named, of course. So uh, I'm sure that they're hoping one of the uh, either New York Giants win or Dallas Cowboys keep winning out uh, because San Francisco, I believe the only team that they don't get home advantage is the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. So <laughs> the Phillies. Yeah. No, they wouldn't get it against the Phillies. Either. No, yeah, not the Phillies either. Um, other than that, I mean, the 27 point comeback. I, that was a toss up game to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the comeback that. Jacksonville Jaguars had against San Diego Chargers is absolutely amazing. So you don't, I mean, you've already discounted them because they're the LA Chargers and we don't I'm even, sorry, we, the LA we don't, Chargers. But we don't even, I don't acknowledge that ever either. I mean, yeah. to me, they're always the San Diego Chargers. The, if you think that that was a bad beat, that isn't even close to as bad a beat uh, that happened this weekend. Uh, one better placed a $1.4 million wager on the Los Angeles Chargers. And therefore which is not Which is not a big deal, all right? Placing one, I mean, there's there was a 3.5, they were a 3.5 favorite, all right? Okay. Here's, here's where the bad beat comes in. They didn't place their bet of $1.4 million until into the third quarter. You're kidding. When the San Diego Chargers were ahead 27 to nothing. <laughs> Where they were ahead 27 points. So they placed their bet at that time, $1.4 million in hopes of winning $11,000. Seriously. $11,200 to be exact. So like interest. Basically, yeah. And of course, we all know what happens. So taking that chance to win. For, yeah, for those of you who don't, they, they blew <laughs> a 27 point lead. Instead, this better lost $1.4 million dollars this is this is one of those things where you go okay there's somebody who has more money than cents and he wasn't <laughs> more, the only more one. dollars than cents yeah, yeah. Uh, I, there, he wasn't the only one there were quite a few people that placed that bet under huge odds another uh, person placed a fifty thousand dollar bet when they were up 27 to nothing in the third quarter and ended up losing 50 grand he i mean they were going to win a thousand dollars Mm-hmm. They they risk fifty thousand dollars for one thousand dollar payoff, which just seems ridiculous to me. But a little bit, yeah. The uh, people who were carrying that bet, um, I'm thinking, are pretty happy as of today, especially <laughs> that one point four million dollar bet. Yeah, wow. the, the house never seems to weep too much. No, do they? no, um, just absolutely craziness. Uh, looks like we're going to be uh, looking at the downside. Dow futures are down 126 points. Of course, the stock market was closed yesterday in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We'll get an update from Jeremiah Bates, find out what to expect this week as far as the stock market is concerned uh, over our short week, only four days this week. We'll do that coming up here in just about an hour from right now. 
It is uh, time for our first check on what is going on with sports today. It is brought to you by our good friends at Pork Belly in CUNA, the place to go for breakfast or lunch every day. They were open yesterday. I know, three-day weekend for some of us. Could have been a good chance for you to get out seven days a week. Open up at 7 a.m. in the morning, every morning, and up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. In sports, Boise State's men's basketball team shares the Mountain West lead with San Diego State and the Nevada Wolfpack. And the Broncos will take on the Wolfpack tonight at Extra Mile Arena. With more on that, we check in with Bob Beeler. The Broncos opened the Mountain West season with a 74-72 loss at Nevada. Since then, they've won all four, scoring over 80 in the last three. Max Rice on how they're playing better. Uh, I think everyone's just kind of playing good together right now. Um, I think we're more efficient than we were back when we played them last time. Just uh, offensively, I think we've gotten a lot better. They're playing better, too. Uh, their last game against Utah State, they played really well offensively, uh, so it should be a high-scoring game. Rice has averaged 14.7 points over the last three games. He and the Broncos will look to beat Nevada tonight for a fifth straight win. Our coverage begins at 6.30 on 6.70 a.m. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Give you a look at what happened over the weekend. Air Force was a winner over Fresno State on Saturday night, 51-48. to Colorado State went in and beat UNLV in Las Vegas in overtime, 82-81. to New Mexico actually did defeat San Diego State in San Diego, 76-67. to And, of course, the Broncos defeated Wyoming, 85-68. to Now, there will be games being played today. UNLV is at Utah State, Wyoming at Air Force, San Jose State is at New Mexico, and, again, Nevada plays here at Boise State. That's a 7 p.m. tip time. I'm Rick Worthington. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 622. Good morning and welcome to a Tuesday. Double programming notes for you. It is Tuesday, but it is Bronco Monday as far as we're concerned with sports this morning. Bob Beeler will be in uh, with us. Some of the things over the weekend have uh, kind of uh, shaken out a little bit as far as uh, men's Mountain West basketball. Uh, I think you're starting to see the teams that are best in the league try to shake out, you know, because it, it had looked like Utah State was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And they've lost a couple of games. And as a matter of fact, when Boise State beat Utah State, that was qu- considered a quad one win. That's no longer considered a quad Even, one win. Well, I was going to say they beat him by, what, 23? Yeah. So the the writing was on the wall that it may drop from a quad. Tonight's game, however, your Mountain uh, West's Boise State champions will be taking on the Nevada Wolfpack. Lost two a couple weeks ago. place on the line, which are the games I like to go to. Lost by two a couple of weeks ago. So tonight, the winner of this game will will be in first place. Not by a bunch, but will be in first place. It's a big win if Nevada does win because uh, that means they will have swept the Boise State Broncos already with most of the season uh, left to go. So as things shake out right now, it's looking like, based on wins and losses, uh, you've got Boise State, Nevada, San Diego State, and New Mexico. And it looked like uh, San Diego State was looking to be maybe the best of all teams by quite a bit until they lost to New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so you, you've got some teams. This week, we're going to know a lot about Boise State after this week because Boise State, for first place tonight against Nevada, winner will be in first place. 
And then later this week, Boise State will take on New Mexico at New Mexico, where no matter how good New Mexico is, it's a horrible place to play for traveling teams. (laughs) The pit? The pit at New Mexico is, is one of the best... Uh, home no matter how advantages you, in the nation. No matter how you slice it, any place called the pit is just going to mm-hmm. be unfriendly, mm-hmm. I think. So if Boise State can sweep those two teams, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, even if they if they can go one and one this week, I, I think mm-hmm. y- you would see a lot of people go, hey, that's that's pretty good. They're one and one. You know, they they still haven't played San Diego State. They still would get New Mexico at home uh, if they were able to, uh, you know, beat Nevada, especially mm-hmm. here at home tonight, which, you know, you hope they would. Because so far, and I don't know if you watched the games this weekend, uh, this uh, the game this weekend, they looked really good. I just listened at to Wyoming. it. At Wyoming, yeah. They, they, looked they sounded really good. Really good. Yeah, they, I mean... Uh, this team shoots the three really, really well, <laughs> and it's it, they shoot the three from five different positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll we'll get a watch now. I, I know, Which I, th- I believe, is the max one. Isn't y- it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, y- you can uh, get other positions to to shoot of it, but man, uh, they really shot well the last two games as far as threes are concerned, and they shut the other. Th- Teams threes down, so oh, cool. they can continue to do that and play good defense the rest of the year. And uh, knock on wood, maintain health. That's always a big one. Uh, should be pretty good. You'll hear the uh, play coming up here tonight. Uh, Bob and Abe, six thirty. We'll do the pregame and then tip off at seven on your fifty thousand watt flagship for Boise State basketball tonight. Six seventy KBOI. That's where you're going to hear all the action. Uh, other than that, if you want to. St- Maintain your regular, you're not a Boise State fan, or you want to hear regular programming, Nate Shulman and uh, Levin can be heard on 93.1 FM during that same time. So just make a note of that tonight. You want to hear the basketball game, it's going to be on 670 AM, regular programming on 93.1 FM. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 29 degrees in downtown Boise. Got a good dose of fog, especially in the uh, Boise area. Keep that in mind. Some uh, patchy fog in some of the areas of the uh, other areas of the Treasure Valley, too, this morning. Coming up here uh, for you, it is Bronco Monday. We'll talk with Bob Beeler about the uh, latest wins for Boise State, what to expect this week. It's Bronco Monday. Yes, I know it's Tuesday, but because we had yesterday off, we've moved Bronco Monday to Tuesday. That'll be coming up here at about 8.35 uh, coming up this morning. Also, uh, bad news for those of you who are hoping to be a billionaire after uh, Friday <laughs> night's drawing. You did not win. This is true. Somebody in Maine did, yeah. right? First time ever that Maine has had a uh, large jackpot winner and $1.35 billion richer. Second biggest uh, of all time, right? Yeah. Wow. So, anyway, congratulations. Uh I, I hope you have good luck for could, the rest of your life. I think you could purchase a great deal of Maine for that much money. Uh, you're probably not too too far off there. Uh, Jeremy Renner's still in the hospital. Do you know yeah, this? Yeah. Uh, apparently, his injuries were much worse than anyone uh, was led to believe or even knew. And obviously, the doctors well, and Jeremy down- Renner knew he, that the uh, injuries he, were bad. He downplayed it. You know, yeah. He was yeah. awake and everything and talking, but he downplayed it. It's, ah, it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, he came apparently very close to dying if it wouldn't have been for the doctor his neighbor who was a doctor Mm -hmm. had been there they said he probably would have bled out but the doctor i mean 
first of all, if you're going to be lucky, you wouldn't have been run over by your snowcat. Well, there's that. But, yeah. but if, you are, if you're going to be lucky, having a doctor next door that knew what to do in an emergency situation like this helped to save his life. It's also reported the time um, that Renner had blunt force trauma to his chest. Apparently, mm-hmm. that was much worse than people were led to believe that he had trouble breathing and has already had two reconstructive surgeries on his chest. Good grief. And a good chance that he probably is going to have to have two to three more surgeries in the weeks ahead on his leg. So his leg is what everybody was concentrating on about how bad his leg was injured because he got ran over. But apparently his chest was of the main concern when he was in the hospital um, because he was having a really hard time breathing. So they had to uh, fix that. when When he was caught in the machine, I think he must have been squeezed really tight. I'm, did he get caught or did he get run over? That's my question. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard which both, one. I yeah. Um, he, like I said, I, I was shocked. I thought he was going to be in for a few days. I hadn't even, you know, did a check on, on him to find out that he was still in the hospital and then saw this headline yeah, over the when weekend. People, when people live through something, everybody goes, oh, thank God they're all right. They're not all right. They just lived through it. Yeah. He he lived through it, and as you just mentioned, he downplayed because he took a picture what the next yeah. next day or two days afterwards uh, and posted it to look Twitter. Look how relatively intact I am. <laughs> it said. Uh, but apparently, he's got uh, quite a long uh, time to uh, recover and yeah. recuperate from uh, the injuries he received from this. KBOI News Time six forty four. Phone lines open if you want to partake in the show. You can also email us if you'd like, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. Time for another check on what's going on with sports once again this morning. Brought to you by our friends at Pork Belly in CUNA. Unique breakfast and lunch items. You want to find out how unique? Check out their menu today, porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. If you enjoy the NFL, then this was a great weekend. You had football games Saturday, Sunday, and then you had a playoff game last night on Monday Night Football. And it was the Dallas Cowboys taking on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, the Cowboys had a pretty good night, and they got it started like this. Prescott in the gun, back to throw. Well protected, going to the end zone. Schultz at the goal line, and he's in for the touchdown. That was the call on 105.3 The Fan as Dalton Schultz caught that 22-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott in the first quarter. Cowboys couldn't kick extra points for some reason last night, and they were going to need a little more than that touchdown by itself. Here was the last of the game. I don't feel too great about this, but let's go. You think they're pulling him offside maybe? Maybe. Possibly? Nope, they're going to run a play. Fourth and four, back to throw it out to the left, all alone. Caught at the two, and a walk-in touchdown for C.D. Lamb. How did you not cover the second team all pro? C.D. Lamb on the 18-yard touchdown pass. From Dak Prescott in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys went on to win 31-14. to But again, I think they would have cut the kicker at halftime if they could have after he missed all those extra points last night. That'll be one of the things that we'll talk about moving into this week's coming playoff games. Cowboys will have to take on the San Francisco 49ers. I'm Rick Worthington. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to take part in the show, uh, we'll let you uh, do that. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. 
The uh, text number is same as our main number. And by the way, those numbers are going to come in handy for you if you'd like to get yourself uh, your hands on a $50 gift certificate. Once again, to Deja Brew Bistro in downtown Meridian. That will be our prize coming up here today for our Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network. Buyer's market right now, as a matter of fact, starter homes, uh, you can get into them for uh, in the $300,000 range. Yes, you can. Find out how and even get help from the buyer by making one phone call, 208 888-4128. That's Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. Our question today, $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Bistro is yours. If you can answer this question, the uh, this magazine has printed over 500 photos of topless women since it started. They average around four or five per year. What magazine is it? That's that simple. If you know the answer, stick around. Coming up after 8 o'clock, if you're the first person to answer correctly, you will get a $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Bistro in downtown Meridian. By the way, if you want to take advantage right now, there are less than 20 available Deja Brew sweet deals going on right now. Uh, you don't have to wait till Friday. These went on sale last Friday. There are less than 20 left, so if you want it, you better hurry to take advantage of it. You can go to KBOI. Dot com. Click on the Sweet Deal link to take advantage of that deal and a few others that are available right now. Your Google Play. Simply say, hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Dan Meltzer. Dr. Meltzer, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, I think we're still at that point in the year when uh, some of us are at least still thinking about our New Year's resolutions, one of the more common being to stop smoking. Is quitting smoking one of the more important resolutions that a person could set for themselves? Well, the short answer is yes. I mean, really, any self-improvement goal we set and, of course, stick with um, beginning of the year otherwise can help. Um, you know, often the case with a lot of goals that we set, whether it's weight loss or get stronger, it takes time. But the reality is with stopping smoking, the payoff can be almost instantaneous. That seems too good to be true. Just how quickly can a smoker's health improve after they quit? So actually minutes, believe it or not. I mean, the health benefits of quitting smoking are about 20 minutes after we people have taken their last inhalation and and that's when your heart rate, your blood pressure go down because of the nicotine sort of waning. But it takes just a couple days really for carbon monoxide levels to get normal and then a couple weeks or months for circulation to actually improve in the lungs and heart. So what other benefits come over time for those who stop smoking? Yeah, in addition, we, you know, people can be at reduced risk of bone fractures, better immune system, get stronger with your muscles because better oxygen delivery to those muscles in your bloodstream. And even mental decline is lower for those who quit, especially if you've given up tobacco by middle age. So it's a really, you know, worthwhile, highly worthwhile resolution for those that smoke. This can be a stressful time of year for many people, which has a lot of us looking for ways to dial back the anxiety just a bit. Conveniently enough, there is a new study out that suggests a possible remedy could be as close as the uh, nut aisle in our favorite grocery store. Do you have details? Yeah, a new study published in the journal Nutrients um, actually examined the effects 
specifically of walnut consumption and how it affected college students around exam time, which we know is a stressful time. And the results showed that people who consumed about a half a cup of walnuts every day showed improvements in their self-reported mental health indicators. They had also improved kind of metabolic biomarkers as well as better sleep. So any word from the researchers on why the walnuts are so helpful? You know, walnuts are one of these kind of superfoods. They're just loaded with tons of healthy nutrients, things like omega, what do we call omega-3 fatty acids, antioxidants, even melatonin, which helps us sleep better, folate, vitamin E, all of which really can promote a healthy brain and a healthy gut. Well, that is the KBOI Medical Moment brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Dan Meltzer, thanks for joining us this morning on KBOI. Thank you. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, 10 minutes after 7. Thanks for listening in and being a part of the show. Remember, you can always be a bigger part of the show by taking part. And that can happen anytime during our show. 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email us, chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. Some of the things we'll be talking about uh, this weekend, good news for the Biden administration. No new documents were found over the uh, weekend in any one of his uh, locations, at least that we know about as of right now. Okay. <laughs> so good news for Biden. Um, not so good news for Biden. Uh, apparently still doesn't understand how... Uh, police work uh, questioned yesterday in a speech on Martin Luther King Jr. Day about why police always have to shoot with deadly force. Why can they not be trained to shoot people in the leg or the arm? Oh, wow. Apparently he's never used a gun. <sighs> I think that goes without saying based on some of the things that he talks about when it comes to uh, Second Amendment it's like rights. That's like those guys that uh, you're following a car and they say, why didn't you just shut, uh, shoot out the tires? Have you ever tried that? <laughs> Here, here's the other thing too. Say you are good enough. Say, say, I would love to put a gun in in Biden's hands, take him to a range, and say, "All right, here you are. You're 50 yards away, and here's an outline of a human being. Shoot that human being in the arm, yeah, well, or no, shoot that human being in him, the leg. Yeah, shoot him in the ankle so he drops. Yeah, so yeah. so he drops. All right. First, that's the first thing I would have him do. Mm-hmm. Second of all, do you not know? That if you shoot somebody in the arm and the leg and they have a gun, they can continue yes, to fire back at they, you. They can still shoot you. You can still be dead. And as uh, Dan Bongino is fond of saying, the first rule, don't get dead. Well, and that, yeah, I like that. And, and this is, uh, you know, so many times people say, you know, why did they have to shoot him so many times? Well, you, you neutralize the, the danger. You don't shoot somebody and then say, okay, let's see what they do next. Mm-hmm. Because... The first thing you're supposed to do as a police officer is go home to your family every night. Well, you know, that's true, yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing as a police officer that that you want to do. That is preferred. Protect the public, but your first job is to go home every night to your family. Another story we'll talk about, it is official. Lisa Sanchez has lost her Boise City Council seat uh, after moving out of District 3. Um, that according to confirmed reports of her departure, Council uh, Member Lane Clegg said Sanchez's absence on last Tuesday, beginning last Tuesday, is indefinite, but could not give any details about Sanchez's recent move and said that the council was working to confirm details. 
District 3 covers, which is what she was elected in, covers many neighborhoods north of State Street. Sanchez lived there at the time of the election, was not, but does not anymore. The Idaho legislature passed a bill three years ago requiring cities yeah. with over 100,000 citizens to hold by-district elections. Elected officials must not only reside in the district at the time they were elected and ran for election, but the entire time that they are and serving does, on the council. It does have to be your primary residence as well. Yes. So we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that. And uh, San Francisco is proposing $5 million in reparations to every black person who lives in San Francisco. And Each? Each. Each. Oh. And that's not all. Uh, for the next 250 years, people making below a certain wage will be uh, given a wage that would reach around ninety three to $100,000. But just within the city limits of San Francisco? Just within the city limits of San Francisco. And for the next 250 years. Which I, I wouldn't need it that long. <laughs> $5 million, apparently uh, a piece is not enough. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Does this even have a chance? Where does this money come from? That's what I want to know. Where does any money come from? There are some limits on this also coming your way, too. Um, If you live there, don't get all excited as of yet because it's got a long way to pass. And uh, you may not not fall under the uh, limits of being able to get this money either. There are people out there packing for San Francisco right now. Time for another check on what's going on with sports. Brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. Get in for lunch every day Monday through... Sunday, seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. every single day. Uh, don't forget to follow them on Facebook. You can get daily specials. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Well, let's look at Boise State men's basketball for a moment. They've won their last four straight games, and they've got a big one tonight, a battle for first place, or at least a tie for first place, when they take on the Nevada Wolfpack at Extra Mile Arena this evening. With more on that, we check in with Bob Beeler today. The Broncos and Wolfpack, along with San Diego State, all have one conference loss. The winner of tonight's game with Nevada will stay in first place. Max Rice is looking forward to it. Uh, it's a great feeling. Um, I think it's where we belong. I think we're playing really well, and so are they. So uh, it's a great matchup, and I hope I hope we can sell this place out again because um, I think it really affects uh, the outcome of the game, and I think we play better when uh, this place is sold out. So. The Wolfpack beat Boise State 74-72 in Reno on December 28th. In that game, both Tyson Degenhardt and Najee Smith fouled out. Our coverage tonight will begin at 6.30 on 670 AM. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. There were several Mountain West games played over the weekend. Just to catch you up, Boise State, of course, defeated Wyoming 85-68. to New Mexico went in to San Diego and beat San Diego State 76-67. to That was a big one. Colorado State in overtime beat UNLV in Las Vegas 82 to 81 and Air Force went on the road and defeated Fresno State 51 to 48. Setting up tonight's game, yes, Nevada will be at Boise State. That's tip time for 7 p.m. here on News Talk KBOI. UNLV also plays at Utah State, Wyoming at Air Force and San Jose State will play at New Mexico tonight as well. There is a game on the schedule for tomorrow as well. That's San Diego State at Colorado State. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 
723, Jeremiah Bates uh, with us here this morning. Uh, ahead of the opening, looks like uh, futures are all going to be off. We'll uh, keep an update on that. Stocks coming off a winning week last week, however. Question for you, can this be sustained, or is this just a, a blip, uh, an otherwise horrible year? Yeah, I, I think it's too too close to call whether this is going to be like a sustained trend that we're going to see in the near to midterm or even throughout the year. One thing that we can look at is it's been a solid start for stocks for 2023. You have the Dow Jones up over 3.5%, the S&P up over 4%, the NASDAQ, which is up almost 6%. So it's certainly a positive start for equities. We certainly saw cryptocurrency have a have a, <laughs> a hot start too, especially over the weekend. You have Bitcoin up 28%, Ethereum up 30%. So you have these risk assets that really got pummeled last year. They're getting off to a decent start. Now, we've had some tailwinds, some some uh some data come in that which is obviously the dark clouds that have hover, hovered around last year which is inflation wage gains those have start we started to see those kind of decelerate a bit now eyes are going to be set on earnings and we are in the beginning of earnings so you have Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley the big investment banks reporting earnings this morning Goldman Sachs missed significantly it was expected that they were going to get $4 or $5.48 per share of profit and they reported $3.32. Mm. That stock's almost is down almost 3%. Now it's the flip side for Morgan Stanley. Stan, Morgan Stanley's up almost 3% in pre-market tr- in uh in futures trading. This is a company out of record revenue over its wealth management business. So, meaning I uh the macroeconomic backdrop that was the concern for 2022, again, I think some of those worries are starting to subside a bit. But now all eyes are going to be set on corporate earnings. They're going to see, is there going to be a deterioration? And we are in the very, we're in the infancy of fourth quarter earnings to be released. We've seen some airlines report last week, some big banks, and those corporate earnings are going to continue to roll in, in this week. We got Netflix reporting some notable technology names. So this, now, now if that doesn't deteriorate, we can continue to see this rally. Okay. I'm, that was going to be my question. So is, is good news in this going to be that the corporate earnings are down? Does that mean that we'll continue? Continue because it looks like that maybe inflation uh, may be starting to subside, or do we still want to see corporate earnings going up? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a you, we really got the devil's in the details when when it comes to the corporate earnings, right? Like wh- how are the how are these companies navigating higher costs that are squeezing profit margins, a tight labor market? You also have supply chains that are not totally healed. So we have some companies that I think will likely navigate these waters better than others, and that. If you look at the market in in and of itself, this is that it's a a discounting mechanism. They're trying to anticipate what the future profitability of these companies are. So again, and we've we've covered many earnings seasons uh, on this morning market update before. The market is mostly forward looking, unless there's some huge surprise, some miss of expectations on these earnings. I think overall, the Federal Reserve wants to see corporate earnings going down. They do not want to see a a, a pro- profitable landscape for for corporations because it kind of defeats the purpose of what they're doing, okay. which is trying to bring things down. So it's a balance. We're trying right. to find that soft landing, unknown at this point. We'll keep an eye on it. Looks like we're going to be opening to the downside here in just a few minutes. We'll get an update from you in an hour and talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 742, the NFL playoffs firmly underway. Some craziness 
27-point comeback by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We told you earlier this morning that uh, somebody in the third quarter placed a uh, bet $1.4 million to uh, win $11,000 because he thought there was no way that oh, yeah. Jacksonville would it's ever a, come back in the third quarter. sure thing, he mm-hmm. thought. Uh, he lost $1.4 million. Wow. Yeah. Um, some other things uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about. The NFL has changed their overtime rule for the playoffs. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't. What What have they changed it to? They uh, have changed it so in the regular season, I don't know why they don't do this all the time. In the regular season, if the first person, first team who wins the coin flip scores a touchdown, the game is over. Right. If they score a field goal, then the other team has a chance to win the game by scoring a touchdown or tying the game by scoring a field goal right. of their own. In the uh, NFL playoffs, if the team scores a touchdown, first team to win the uh, coin flip scores a touchdown, the other team will have a chance to match that score. So everybody gets the ball at least Everybody once. gets the ball at Which least is, once. by the way, how they've been doing it in college and high school for decades i don't know why they don't do this during the regular season if they think this is such a good rule to have during the playoffs shouldn't they be doing this during the entire year and then by the way once both teams score if they do both score then it becomes sudden death next team score would win well i mean i i know that in the uh see that 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 almost makes it seem like it the, the game could last a lot longer I know that uh, in the playoffs, their main thing is to get a winner. You can't have a tie. Mm-hmm. You have to have you somebody have to have win so they, can, yeah. so they can move on to the next level. But why would you make it uh, easier for a tie to happen, which is what they're doing? I yeah. mean, if, if the game ends 24-24, uh, team scores a touchdown, it's 31-24. Now the other team gets the ball. So eventually it's 31-31. Yeah. And maybe. Um, one other uh, thing of note. Um, we have told you that if the uh, AFC Championship game between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs were to happen, that because the Buffalo Bills had their game in the uh, oh, yeah. DeMar New- Hamlin game get canceled. Neutral side. And had they won that, they probably would have had home field advantage. Yeah. Um, it was announced that that neutral site will be Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta should both teams make the championship. Now, if they don't both make the championship, then it will be at whoever's home field. So if okay. Buffalo makes it and Kansas City doesn't, or if Kansas City makes a championship and Buffalo doesn't, it will be home field for either one of those two teams. Right. However, if both of those two teams make the championship, it will be, instead of and being played in Kansas City, will be played in Atlanta. I don't know about you, but this weekend, to me, Buffalo did not look invincible. No, they didn't. Khalil Shakir looked really good this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had some uh, really good catches. And Cedric Wilson for Miami, that 50-yard uh, punt return, looked pretty good for him, too. Mm-hmm. KBY Newstime, 745. Uh, let's get some more sports for you this morning. It's brought to you by our pals, Pork Belly and Cuna. Uh, it's called Pork Belly, and that is one of their... Um, things that they do that they're experts on is pork belly. They grill it for 11, 12 hours. Try their pork belly bites. It's grilled and then deep fried with a special sauce. Uh, it's delicious. Pork belly open 7 to 2 every day, Monday through Sunday. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. In sports, Boise State's men's basketball team shares the Mountain West lead with San Diego State and the Nevada Wolfpack. And the Broncos will take on the Wolfpack tonight at Extra Mile Arena. With more on that, we check in with Bob Beeler. The Broncos opened the Mountain West season with a 74-72 loss at Nevada. Since then, they've won all four, scoring over 80 in the last three. 
Max Rice on how they're playing better. Uh, I think everyone's just kind of playing good together right now. Um, I think we're more efficient than we were back when we played them last time. Just uh, offensively, I think we've gotten a lot better. They're playing better, too, uh, their last game against Utah State. They played really well offensively, uh, so it should be a high-scoring game. Rice has averaged 14.7 points over the last three games. He and the Broncos will look to beat Nevada tonight for a fifth straight win. Our coverage begins at 6.30 on 6.70 a.m. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Give you a look at what happened over the weekend. Air Force was a winner over Fresno State on Saturday night, 51-48. to Colorado State went in and beat UNLV in Las Vegas in overtime, 82-81. to New Mexico actually did defeat San Diego State in San Diego, 76-67. to And, of course, the Broncos defeated Wyoming, 85-68. to Now, there will be games being played today. UNLV is at Utah State, Wyoming at Air Force, San Jose State is at New Mexico, and again, Nevada plays here at Boise State. That's a 7 p.m. tip time. I'm Rick Worthington. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 753. Good morning. 29 degrees in downtown Boise. Some fog to be aware of throughout the Treasure Valley. It's patchy in places. Just be aware of it. Could cause some slowdowns for you this morning. Dow uh, officially open now, down 163 points. Looking like uh, all three of the indexes are down. Bitcoin and Ethereum are both up, however, today. It's kind of the uh, discussion we had about finances about a half hour ago. It's like, are things going to get better? (laughs) (laughs) We'll just, we we don't know. We'll just keep an eye on it. If we knew, we'd be rich and wouldn't be working here today. They might. Uh, Did you watch the uh, 20 for 20? Yeah. Show on uh, Friday night about on the, the murders. murders yeah. Yes, I did watch that. Uh, learn anything interesting from that thing? Uh, lots of stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of information I had not previously heard. I had uh, said here on the show that I thought, based on some of the things that the police chief had said, that I thought that Brian Koberger, they had had his eye on him as a person of interest for a really long time. And basically, it's turning out they were watching him as a person of interest for a very long time. Before he even did anything? Yeah, well, just, not before he did anything okay. afterwards. Because everybody was like, why can't we find it? Why? And, and it's like, from some of the things that the police chief said, we are going to get this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed weird, even though no information was getting out. And I was like, they know who this... They know who they think this guy is already. That, I said that. I didn't have any inside knowledge, but just based on reading between the lines, it's like they already have a person of interest. And sure enough, based on the 20 for 20 show um, on Friday night, they followed this guy basically since mm-hmm. uh, November. They had an idea of who this was. And Brian Kohlberger was the guy. They were following him all the way oh, they from... Just had to build from a, they just had to build the case. From where he uh, left Washington with his father to drive back east, they they were following him the entire way back east. They were following him when he was with his parents for Christmas. Uh, One of the uh, most interesting things I thought, and I still want to know what the reason that was, is they saw him taking out garbage from his parents' house, Mm -hmm. wearing surgical gloves, and putting it in a neighbor's garbage. And this which, was in Pennsylvania? This was in Pennsylvania, which just seems weird to me. 
that that is a little strange. A little strange. You would. I mean, I mean number, if you saw that here in in, one, in, in his strange. house in Washington State, then yeah, you'd go, okay. It's strange that you would put garbage in in your neighbor's uh, garbage cans unless right? you had something that you had to hide. Right. right? Yeah. So there's there's still more information, and and basically you got that from the uh, inv- investigative report that hasn't been released to the public as of yet. But did they did they empty the neighbor's garbage and not find the knife? Is that what they're saying? They aren't saying anything. Okay. That's that's why I said uh, there's more stuff to be released than what was found in the affidavit. The affidavit is the basics that show the reason why they arrested. It gives the reason, the probable cause of why they arrested Brian Kohlberger. There's more evidence, apparently, that has not been released to the public as of yet that won't be released until they get ready to present the case now this will it'll have to be released to the defense attorneys they they get all that information but there's a as if you remember there's a massive gag order on everybody Mm -hmm. defense public defenders the uh prosecuting attorneys the police department anything that has anybody anything to do with the case um has a gag order on so um they're still playing this close to the vest and there's going to be more information more evidence that apparently that they have beyond what was in the affidavit that will in the next year what do you think two years three years before this thing ever comes Uh, to i mean it's his next court appearance is what june june yeah And, and that's just to face the basic charges and whether or not he'll plead innocent or what he'll plead, right. um, you know. So that's that's coming up in June. So it's 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 a long ways off even for the uh, first official uh, court case beyond you know whether or not they were going to set bail, which happened last week. Your thoughts, if you want to weigh in, uh, feel free. You can email Chris at kboi dot com, Mike at kboi dot com. Uh, you can uh, also tell us what you thought about the twenty for twenty. Report on uh, Friday night if you happen to watch it. KBOI News Time 756. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 807. Phone lines are open. 208-336-3700-1-800-529-5264. You can email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. News at the uh, top of the hour. I'm I'm very curious. They didn't say why. Chad and Lori Debill's lawyers are asking a judge not to sequester the jury in the uh, upcoming trial. And as as listening to that story, my first question was Why not? Why? Yeah, why yeah, do you why, not why want the jury you, sequestered? Why wouldn't you want them uh to simply uh, concentrate on, on what's being presented in court and not everything that's being said about it outside. Isn't it, I mean, am I seems, the only one like to think would. that's weird? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think it's weird, too. I'm wondering if this is being used as a tool to possibly have grounds to... To throw it out at the end? Yeah, to, to retry it and saying there was way too much outside information that the jurors... Basically, we're able to get yeah, by watching even, television and, even though, and doing all that. Stuff. Even though that's what we requested, yeah. See, that's why it's weird. <laughs> that's why. It, that's that's what I thought. Um, so, if 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 the jury is not sequestered, well, I mean, will the judge go? Well, wait a minute. You asked that the jury not be sequestered, so it's your own fault if the jury, you know, <laughs> was like, biased because of it. I mean, that's that that would be similar to serving as your own lawyer and then suing for legal malpractice. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I just thought that that was a, a very weird take from the defense attorneys. They didn't say why that they they did it. Gee, and it's not like anything in this case to be weird. No. So strange and uh, unfortunately sad that two of the biggest cases over the last couple of years happen here in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it, they're going to continue. I mean, there's Chad and Lori Debill's case has been going on for over two years now. It's expected that the Brian and Koberger case and the Moscow murders is going to be happening for at least that long, if not longer. Chad and Lori Debill still due to go to court later this year. I don't know if that's going to happen because they were supposedly due in court in January, but mm-hmm. it keeps getting pushed back, keeps getting pushed back over and over again. I don't know. I, th- that just struck me as funny because you don't very often, and maybe I don't pay close enough attention, see the defense going, no, we, we don't want the jury sequestered. Well, this is the first time I've ever heard that. That's what I thought. Yeah. It seems very weird. Like I said, maybe that this is you know all, all a plan. For in case they uh, lose the uh, case, they can say, "Hey, there was way too much out- outside influence." You know, when they were choosing the, uh, you know, the O.J. Simpson jury, they they said later they really wanted people who didn't even know that newspapers existed. <laughs> they they good, wanted. Did they? St- they wanted people who were living in individual bubbles and hadn't heard anything. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, Paul in Nampa. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Uh, good morning. That trial that I went to years ago, there was some sequestration, I forget how to say that properly, but it was just for 24 hours. And it So you, you, weren't, you weren't sequestered for the whole case just for 24 hours? Yeah. Why for that 24 hours? Well, because there was going to be a vote as to whether you were going to find that individual guilty of, of the crimes. So once the once the case was already presented, then before you guys uh, could come up with a final vote, you you were not allowed to go back home. Then, right? We were we were taken into a motel in a van, and um, we were kept there overnight. We were able to watch a movie, and I remember it was um, Dances with Wolves, and we had to watch it in the room with one of the members of the court. Really. And we had no televisions in our rooms, so we couldn't watch news on TV. There was no newspapers or anything allowed in there, and they cleaned the rooms before we got into the rooms. So you were—you didn't want to have any any outside influences is what they wanted to keep See, you from a, having. A good lawyer would be saying, we need to throw out this case because these people actually watched Dances with Wolves before they voted. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should have said that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the call, Paul. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Um, if you want to continue to weigh in, uh, please email us uh, because we won't have a chance to take phone calls until after 9 o'clock this morning because coming up after bottom of the hour news, it's Bronco Monday. Bob Beeler will be here talking about Boise State basketball. On the way next, we have a $50 gift certificate coming up for you this morning to uh, be able to win to Deja Brew Bistro in downtown Meridian. We'll get to that. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question right after Bronco Sports today.
Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 820, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. For all your real estate needs, call 208-888-4128. That's not the number to call to try and win, by the way. Number to call is 208-336-3700. Lisa is going to get first crack at it because that's the number she called. Lisa, we've got a $50 Deja Brew uh, gift certificate for you. If you can answer this question, this magazine has printed over 500 photos of topless women since the magazine started. They average around four or five per year. What magazine is it? That would be National Geographic. That's your guess? National Geographic? That is it. National Geographic, first published in 1896. About four or five topless women per year. 500 photos of topless women. So so, so that is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. Kind of burying the lead there, but okay. National Geographic, congratulations. $50 Deja Brew Bistro gift certificate is all yours. Hang on the line. We'll get some information from you. Most people, I think, most young men anyway, would say that's probably the first place that they uh, probably see a topless woman. I don't know if that's the case nowadays, but back when I was growing up, that's the first place I saw it. (laughs) Fantastic. Look, boobies, boobies. (laughs) We've got Deja Brew uh, gift certificates to give away all this week for free if you'd like to win. Now, if you want to take advantage and get a Deja Brew gift certificate, you still can. $50 gift certificate, only $25. Now, there are only 20 of those left out of all the Deja Brew Bistro gift certificates that we had as our sweet deal on Friday. There's only 20 left, so if you want to take advantage of that, um, go ahead and go to kboi.com. Click on the sweet deal link. You don't have to wait until Friday morning where we have two more sweet deals coming your way. You can take advantage of that deal right now. Great breakfast, great lunch. Uh, Chris and I have been there numerous times for the hometown breakfast, and uh, we highly recommend it yeah, for a place two, to eat. Two thumbs up. Yes, definitely. Don't forget, coming up this Friday, also there will be two more sweet deals. They don't go on sale till Friday morning. Costa Vita Blaze Pizza, each available. $50 gift certificate for $25. They'll go on sale Friday morning at 9 a.m. All right, stick around. Bob Beeler will be with us on the way after news at the bottom of the hour. Big game tonight. It's for first place in the Mountain West. We'll talk about that game plus the uh, success that they had last week, the Broncos had last week. That's all on the way after news at the bottom of the hour. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Normally, it would be Bronco Tuesday, but because of Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday, uh, we had the uh, day off, so today is Bronco Tuesday. Monday. We're treating it as Bronco Monday. Um, talking about the uh, Boise State Broncos. And, uh, man, what a great week the Broncos had yeah. last week. Yeah, on the road twice uh, at uh, UNLV in the middle of the week. At Wyoming over the weekend, uh, both dominant wins, 84-66 at UNLV, 85-68 uh, late Saturday night at Wyoming. And when you look at what uh, the difference has been in the last three games, they've won four in a row. Mm-hmm. But the last three games, they've scored better than 80. And it just shows you the defense has been consistent all season, holding teams in you know the 50s and the yeah. 60s below 70. Only three teams have scored more than 70 it, against Boise State. 
but it's the shooting and the scoring that's really right. come around to make the wins easy. And at least in the last two games, it seemed to me that as the other team is growing weary late in the game, Boise State right. isn't. No, and they've been able to finish games out, finish games out strongly, and even you know clear the bench in, in the games as well. There were some players that got in at the end of the Wyoming game that, that normally don't get in, but uh, you know, regularly now it's five starters and double figures. They're getting more off the bench. Um, you know, I, I think part of it is, you know, that the assists are, are becoming, you know, in the mid to high teens. And when you look at a lot of assists, that means there's a lot of good passing. And, and that's why teams for Boise State right now are beginning to shoot the ball with a higher percentage. They've shot it better than 48% in each of the last three games. And then they've made a lot of threes in the last three the games. Threes they, is what's 11, been 14, very impressive and 12. To but, me. but it's because you're getting open looks. Yeah. I mean, what and they're not missing those open looks. No, which they're is, not. Which they're you've not. seen in the, in the past. And this is this other statement. Think about what I'm saying here. The right people are taking the right shots. I mean, Abo's taking a lot of threes. Rice is taking a lot of threes. They both had four the other game against uh, against UNLV. Against Wyoming, for whatever reason, and probably because he hasn't shot the ball well from outside, they left Najee Smith open and in the first half. <laughs> he hit two threes, and uh, there wasn't... Uh, he, there probably wasn't anybody from where me and, and Nathaniel are sitting between us yeah. in his face. So it's so, like, it's like you know they 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 decided that they were going to let him shoot outside. Now if he continued to shoot and shot maybe eight or ten, his percentage might not have been that good. But he made two, missed a couple. But uh, this team is starting to click together. What do the Mountain West standings look like right now? Right now we got a first place battle tonight. Three teams have one loss: San Diego State, who lost to New Mexico over the weekend. Nevada, who's here tonight to play Boise, and of course Boise State. Those are three teams with one loss. So whoever wins tonight, Nevada has one more win than either Boise State or San Diego State. But whoever wins the game tonight will stay at the top of the standings. San Diego State is also playing tonight, and uh, they're challenging. Uh, uh, excuse me, they're not playing tonight. They're playing tomorrow night against Colorado State. Mm-hmm. So you would think maybe they would get get that job done, but. Uh, Boise State picking up where they left off last season. I uh, saw an interesting stat from the UNLV game that uh, all the points came off dunks, lay-ins, and three-pointers. <laughs> Nothing else was made other than those three. You know, so none, none of the the short distance shots. Uh, and, and I mean, they won going away. It's just kind of an interesting stat line you yeah. don't very often no, see. No desperation shots. No, and then against Wyoming. Max Rice and others were shooting inside, so it depends a lot of times on what shots they give you. Um, I, I think this Boise State team is starting to find itself. Whiting and Miller have played well off the bench, and then if you get somebody else to come in there as a third player, now all of a sudden you got your rotation. You generally mm-hmm. want about eight to come into the game. Well, so. and the other thing I like seeing is uh, the league is starting to shake itself out over the last 10 days. It's looking now like the strength of the league is going to be Boise State, and you'll really see a lot more after this week. Boise State, San Diego State, Nevada, and New Mexico. I wouldn't have put New Mexico up there had they lost to yeah. San Diego State, but beating San Diego State, you got to include them uh, yeah. in that mix also, even though they have two losses. Yeah, and I think when you look at the New Mexico team, first of all, it's significantly better than the last several years of New Mexico, kind of getting back towards you know, not the championship. I don't think the way they had they, in the Steve Alford year, but they had a great uh, you know pre-conference uh, season. They did. A lot of teams had a great pre-conference season <laughs> this year, and that's why the Mountain West is doing so well in the in the computer rankings. But with House and with Mashburn, when they come in here in February, they have probably the best two scorers 
that are on the same team in any team in the league. Really? So they they can score. They can score. They're very, very good at that. And and I was surprised, you know, sitting there calling our game. Their game started before ours. You're looking, you know, at timeouts at the computer. And the only thing I can look at is the, the, the actual score, mm-hmm. not, no, no details or right. anything. And New Mexico, every time we looked, was ahead. So they got ahead and stayed ahead in that game with San Diego State. So Boise State with a big one tonight. The, Boise State has not played five teams in the league yet. They'll finish they're two with Nevada after tonight, so it's kind of a weird schedule that you'd play them in the opening game and you'd see them so soon. Nevada won that game by two seventy four seventy two. The other thing uh, not to be forgotten is later this week they'll you'll be going to New Mexico, and that is just no matter how good that team is or how bad that team is, the pit is just mm. a, a difficult place to play. Yeah, it is. It is. You you come in at street level and you go straight down. That's how come it got the name. <laughs> Uh, there's altitude there, about 5,000 feet, so you can kind of feel it a little bit, especially when you're trying to go up the ramp at halftime to the to the locker room, which is uh, you know at street level. Um, they're a very much a pro crowd. I've been there before when they've been losing, and they get booed leaving the full if they're losing sometimes. <laughs> is that right? So it's a crowd that will be for you, but it also turn on you if you're not doing very well. And uh, this year, uh, Richard Pitino uh, Jr. has uh, done a pretty good job with New Mexico. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from the coach and the coach's son when we continue on Bronco Monday. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Bob Beeler with us once again. It is Bronco Monday. I know it's Tuesday, but Bronco Monday because we had the uh, day off talking uh, about the most recent wind, uh, great all around, especially when you're considering playing at the altitude of 7,200 feet. That was the great thing to see because that's one of the things you see leave when uh, it comes to players not being able to hit three-pointers because they get tired and gassed towards the end of the game, but they were still hitting those three-pointers. And Coach Rice manages the game differently. He'll sub more quickly so that people will not play for as long a stints. You'll use a few more bodies. And, of course, when you know when the score is in your favor, you can sub in the second half. So that helped as well. And uh, yesterday they had a press conference leading into today's game in which the two speakers were Leon Rice and Max Rice. And uh, Boise State over the last three games, as we mentioned, has scored 80 points. They're averaging 84 a game at the time. And uh, we had a chance to ask Max why this team is playing better, specifically offensively. Uh, I think everyone's just kind of playing good together right now. Um, I think we're more efficient than we were back when we played them last time. Just uh, offensively, I think we've gotten a lot better. Um, and I think they're playing better, too. Uh, their last game against Utah State, they played really well offensively. Uh, so it should be a high-scoring game, and I'm excited to, to get after it tomorrow. Again, the teams played, as you mentioned, the first conference game the last week of December, 74-72. So that was a pretty high-scoring game. Nevada comes in five and one. Boise State, San Diego State are four and one. So Max talked about the fact that this game will keep one of the teams, the winner, in first place. Uh, it's a great feeling. Um, I think it's where we belong. I think we're playing really well, and so are they. So uh, it's a great matchup, and I hope I hope we can sell this place out again because um, I think it really affects uh, the outcome of the game. And I think we play better when uh, this place is sold out. So I hope everyone can get out here and come watch a great matchup tomorrow night. Nevada really the surprise team in the league right now. They are 15 and 4 overall, 5 and 1. They were picked 7th to start the season. They had a lot of guys transfer out. This this to me is a shocker. I did not see this coming for Nevada, but coach Rice said he did. I I saw this coming as far as cuz I know coach Alford, great coach and he's got guys that are I mean, 
you can tell they're being coached and they're, they're accepting coaching. Doesn't mean he wasn't coaching last year. It's just the guys probably didn't accept it. There's a big difference. You can, you know, you can have the greatest plans and the, be the greatest coach, but if the players won't be coachable, then doesn't do you any good. And he's got a group that looks like they're playing together. They play hard. They play great defense, and and they're coachable. That's what it looks like. From I'm not in their huddles, and it wasn't last year either, but uh, or at their practices. But that's what it looks like from the outside because you know. I've always had the most respect for him, and you know, from the days of his New Mexico teams. I mean, I got to see it up close and personal, and I, you know, so I'm not surprised. And again, Nevada, the opposition tonight, seven o'clock with the tip-off over at Extra Mile Arena, and we'll be on the air at six thirty right here on six seventy AM. Can I just say, I know it's early in the season, um, but in the games that I've been able to watch, I think I've probably seen four or five now. Um, it's an absolute joy to watch Tyson Dagenhart. I know he's only a true sophomore. But he is, at least so far this year, he has never made, it doesn't seem like ever a stupid pass. He, he lets the game come to him. He doesn't make mistakes. It's just, he's just awesome. And, and to realize he's only a sophomore and how well he is playing and holding that team together is amazing to me. And they're asking him to do different things. They're playing him most of the time at the five inside. So he's playing against much bigger people this year. And I think is starting to really come into his own. And, and guys, one of the things that I think really sets up well for Boise State, he and Najee Smith both fouled out before the last couple of minutes right. of the game in Reno. And they had a seven-point lead at that time, right? Before they, were, they... they were ahead, yes. Yeah. And I just like to think that that's the only game Tyson's fouled out in this season. So I like to think if we can keep Tyson on the floor the whole game, uh, making a, a two-point turnaround will be something the Broncos can do. We'll take a break. Uh, one segment on the way. We'll talk about what to expect for the rest of the week coming up next on Bronco Monday. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Bob Beeler with us once again. It is Bronco Monday. Yes, it is on Tuesday, but uh, we're talking about the most recent games, the upcoming game uh, tonight. Uh, I think uh, we're going to get a real look at how the Mountain West is going to start to shake out after this week's game, especially for Boise State. When you look at they're playing Nevada tonight for first place, up for grabs, and then uh, playing at New Mexico. If they could get a sweep this week, um, I I think if you you ask the coaches secretly, they would probably go, yeah, if we can go one and one, we're probably good. Uh, But if they could get a sweep this week, that would be massive as far as the rest of the season and how how the rest of the season sets up. Well, you look at tonight, you got uh, Nevada, and they've been very hot. And then Friday night, it's a... Quicker turnaround Friday night, late game starting at nine down in in Albuquerque. So uh, again, you know, I thought last week was going to be challenging with two road games against UNLV and Wyoming, but you have somebody probably in the middle, and with Wyoming's injuries, bottom of the league this year, you've got top of the league in Nevada and probably one of the most talented teams in the league in New Mexico, who's in the middle right now. But uh, I think it's going to be a challenging league. We'll have a week. We'll have a coaches show tomorrow night at Ten Barrel. That'll be at uh, 6 o'clock, and the reason it moves to Wednesday in the next two weeks there'll be Wednesdays is because of uh, travel. We're heading to Albuquerque on Thursday, and then uh, Friday night, uh, 8.30, will be the start time for mm, New Mexico. At the pit. <laughs> That's so daunting. I haven't uh, looked ahead to the schedule. Maybe I don't even know if you have, um, other than the fact that you have to uh, set up travel for yeah. places. Uh, when do we finally play San Diego State? Uh, down there first on uh, the first Friday in February. Okay, so and then they come off, yeah. here the last day of February. So it's interesting. We'll be done with Nevada 
before, as I said, before we play five of the teams in the league out of the other ten. So half the league we have not even seen, and we'll play Nevada for a second time tonight. Is this team a lot different than it was when it lost to Reno? Playing much better offensively, much better offensively. And then I think also the big factor we talked about, I'd like to think that we won't have two players foul out. I don't know if we've had two players foul out in a game other than that game all season. And, well, and, and they were both were inside guys in, in Smith and, and Degenhardt. So and that was a tough loss. That was just a two-point loss, so that was a tough one. Well, and in watching Degenhardt's career so far, he, he usually does very good at staying out of foul trouble in yes. the first half and saves his fouls for the second half, which is very smart because then he can be a little more aggressive. So, I mean, he's not a guy who fouls out no. very often. And then there was a call at the end of the game. It was with, I think, about a minute left, and Boise State was up one. We're looking at the review. I thought the ball was going to get switched back to Boise State so they'd have the ball up one. And they, they went of, to the monitor, and, and, and they said that, that they couldn't tell, so the ball stayed with Nevada, and it was kind of a key call at the time. So sometimes, you know, there was about four things late that went for Nevada, and if any one of them doesn't go for Nevada, Boise State probably wins. Yeah. Um, the other thing, keeping an eye on uh, for most people, I, I know we're a long ways off before we start looking towards the NCAA tournament, but those power rankings start to become more and more important as uh, we go on. And Boise has now, uh, over most of the rating services, is now in the top 30 in most of the services due to their success yeah. that they've had so far this year. And the success of the league. The, the league yes, doing well, yes. everybody helps everybody because then when you play each other, you don't lose points for you know playing somebody bad. All right, once again, uh, play tonight. You can begin at 6.30, hear the pregame with uh, Bob and Abe, and then uh, the uh, tip-off will be happening on 6.70 a.m. tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, can't wait to hear it, Bob, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about another Boise State win coming up tomorrow morning. KBY Newstime is 8.58. Day from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBY. Into the 9 o'clock hour we go at 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless phone numbers if you'd like to participate in the show. Lines are open right now if you would like. Uh, you can also email us, chris at kboy.com, mike at kboy.com. You can send us an instant message through our fan page on Facebook. You can also text us, same as our main number. Um, Trent writes in, mike at kboy.com. Uh, mike, can we talk about what... Lauren McLean regime has accomplished specifically the disaster in the police department and now the disaster happening in city council. What happens next? Something big is on the horizon. Huge. What is that trend? Are you saying that there might be or that you know that there is something big happening? Um, I would also say what's happening with the, the city council and Lisa Sanchez being out isn't the mayor's fault. Uh, the mayor didn't tell Lisa Sanchez to move out of the district. She had to do that because... Yeah, she claims she checked with somebody and that they told her it was okay. Yeah. But apparently the person who told her it was okay didn't know what they were talking about. Now, we don't know for a fact because she hasn't named you know the exact person who told them that, yes, you're perfectly fine in doing this. Um, do we... I, I, we don't know a lot of the particulars in her moving. However, it still falls on her to make sure 
that yeah, that she lives in her I own mean street. anybody can check this you know by going to the website and saying all right is this is this address within district 3 I wouldn't have dismissed her right away though I would have said okay you've got a month to correct this now that we know about it I don't know if the law would have allowed for that though I mean then then you're getting to say all right we know what the law says but we're going to give you a month to fix this I mean because she was uh, she, she was like she was renting right and then she she was renting. Um, she had to leave. She got yeah. She got kicked out. Her her lease was not uh, yeah was not, not renewed. renewed. Um, um, and then she had to find a, a new place to live, which which she did. That apparently is uh, somewhat. Uh, I don't. It doesn't sound like it's a long ways out with outside the district, but still outside. But still outside the district. And this was a law that was passed three years ago by the uh, Idaho legislature, saying that cities of one hundred thousand or more in the state which Boise is one of them, Meridian is another, Nampa is another. Uh, city council members have to be voted by district and not just voted in by living in the district, but maintain that location with, and somewhere within the district during the entire time that they are serving. I have a funny, sneaky suspicion, even though it was confirmed that she is no longer a member of the city council. That was confirmed on Friday she may be back on the city council before too long anyway. Okay. Because the process next moves to the office of Mayor Laura McLean. She would nominate someone to fill the rest of Sanchez's term on the council, and the remaining council members would then vote to either confirm or reject the nomination. Now, if she moves back within the district, she would just need to reestablish her residency for 30 days to be qualified for that nomination by her seat by McLean. So I could see... Lauren McClain, the mayor, yeah, that's a holding out for 30 days, waiting, hey, get into the right. seat and I can nominate you again. It's a path back, but again, she has to move right. again. So if she, now, all she would have to do is maybe even find a friend that she can move into with <laughs> during the, uh, you know, move, during move, her time. Move in with. Yeah, move yeah. in with. Um, now, I, I have a feeling people would have their eyes on her to make sure that she's just not giving an address of a friend and saying, oh, yeah, I'm living here while maintaining another residence outside the uh, the district. Yeah, ethically, that's not the thing to do. That's not the thing to do. Um, now, there's another way. If she can't do it within 30 days, there's going to be another seat open later this year because one of the other city council members is uh, leaving for work in the private sector. So once again, you would go through the same process, and if she, you know, could then be one of the nominees by Lauren mm-hmm. McLean, and then of course City Council would vote on. What's going to be interesting this to see here is, even though the voters have voted her in, this has to go through a nomination. It isn't automatic. She just doesn't move back into the district, and all of a sudden she is once again the City Council member right. for that district. However, my guess is the mayor would re. Uh renominator the mayor could possibly renominate her but here's what's going to be interesting does she have enough support on the city council <laughs> to be able to be voted in because she would still have to be voted in by the rest of the city council yeah. they would have to take the recommendation of my, the mayor my guess is that, that that one's iffy that one could be a little bit iffy so anyway that's that's officially uh where it stands as of right now uh we were talking about another fairly local subject and that was the Daybell trials that are coming up sometime in the future. And we uh, 
wondered why they would ask that the jury not get sequestered. And Lee of Eagle has what I think is a, a good reason. He says, I've read that defense doesn't want sequestered juries because they feel that jurors would blame the defense for the sequestration, and for three months it will be hard to find people <laughs> able to do that. That's, so, a, that's so they, an interesting take. Yeah, that, so if they get sequestered, they tend to resent the, uh, the defense, apparently. Interesting. Yeah, I never, I never thought about that, because we were asking that question this morning, because usually you just don't see the defense go to, we don't want them sequestered. Yeah. We want them to hear everyone's opinion. Uh, Jim from Eagle writes in talking about that. Why do these trials have to take so long? So the public forgets about the severity of the crime while the defense floods the media with stories from the childhood friends of the accused telling us how great the perp is while the press digs up dirt on the dead? Mm, I, don't, no. I don't think it's as simple it's as It's just because it takes forever to prepare, make sure you've got everything going. You can't just uh, You can't just rush into court and say, I don't think he did it. Now, this could be a speedy trial in both in both cases, but you know, because you're guaranteed that by the constitution. However, well, you're guaranteed the offer of a speedy trial. Right. However, if you turn it down, as as the gentleman from uh, both of them uh, did. Pullman yeah. did as well. Both uh, and even in the Chad Day bill, Lori Day bill, they've all basically said we are giving up our right to a speedy trial. Like you want to be convicted soon or later? Well, and that's, Wait, I, mean, what? I mean, some people, you know, ask that same thing. Well, it's <laughs> like, I mean, I, I've never been to jail or prison, either one, but I mean, I think jail, and I could be wrong on this, somebody who spent time in jail and prison, please feel free to fill me in on this, but I would think that jail would be much easier time than prison, in my personal opinion. So if you think you're going to prison, wouldn't you want to spend as much yeah, time in jail if, if you as, get to, as you can? If you get to spend an extra two years in jail without going to prison, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. It None of it seems terribly good. Uh, other emails uh, in this morning haven't had a chance to get to. Uh, Jessica says, and this was uh, one of the news stories, still talking about this, and we talked so much about this. Uh, I mentioned earlier this morning, good news for uh Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, that no more confidential files were found over the uh, three-day weekend. Uh, Jessica writes, and uh, the biggest difference with the top-secret files that Trump had on him was that he was president of the United States, is allowed more privilege, and Biden was only the vice president, has no authority to remove such files. Road Rager writes in and says... Is that his real name? Uh, my guess is no. <laughs> on the other hand, don't know. Uh, he says, if you're the victim of road rage, you are the problem to begin with. It's the so-called victim that did something to, I'll say, tick off someone else. Paraphrasing. So I think the victim of these incidents should have to retake driver's training in addition to how to drive where you live classes. That would be doing something about road rage. Put the blame and shame where it belongs. Uh, the blame was already where it belongs. The person who's not mature enough to uh, let a mistake or something like that go and uh, keep everyone safe is the person who shouldn't have a license. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there are probably some cases where you can say that the victim of road rage maybe instigated it, but that's not always the case. I mean, well, trust like, me, I've, I mean, I've it, been. It's, the, it's not the law. If if somebody gets murdered and you say, "Well, he had it coming," uh, no, not according that's, to that's, the law. That's, that's not what we get to decide. Yeah. And I, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. But and if you're fighting with somebody on the road, even if it's their fault, you are not being safe. 
I've had instances myself where I've made an honest mistake. Like I didn't see the person in the next lane and I moved over without a whole lot of room doing it. I didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident, but they were still mad and upset. And I get being, because I've been in that same instance too, where somebody Mm -hmm. does it and it's an honest mistake, but I'm mad and upset because you almost crashed my car. I, I totally get it. But if you can't drop it after that, that's on you. That's not mm-hmm. on me because of the mistake That's I great. made unless I continue to try and instigate <laughs> the road rage from my end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen people pull up. Uh, you know, while I was just waiting at a light. I've seen people pull up and somebody leap out of a car and they start, you know, uh, mixing it up right there. Yeah. And it's just stupid. It really is. It's totally unnecessary. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We will take a break. When we come back, promise we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning. Um, San Francisco has proposed $5 million in reparations for every black person. Um, well, and this is where I don't understand, because according to the proposal, and this is just a proposal, by the way, um, people who identify as black which seems really weird to put that in the proposal. Now, before you uh, get the big idea of going, oh, I'm moving to San Francisco and I de- I'm identifying as black, there, there are some issues. There are some things you have to qualify for. Uh, we'll tell you about that when we come back. Get 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 921-208-336-3700, 1-800-529-5264. San Francisco African American Reparations Advisory Committee, which advises the city on developing a plan for reparations for black residents, has released their draft report to address reparations, to address the public policies explicitly created to subjugate black people in San Francisco by upholding and expanding the intent and legacy of chattel slavery. While neither San Francisco nor California formally adopted the institution of chattel slavery, The tenets of segregation, white supremacy, and systemic repression and exclusion of black people were codified through legal and extra-legal actions, social codes, and judicial enforcement, according to the draft. Now, this isn't a situation where every black person in San Francisco or every black person who wants to move to San Francisco is going to get $5 million. That's right, I said $5 million dollars. To be eligible for the $5 million each in the program, the applicant must be, first of all, be 18 years of age and have identified as black or African-American on public documents for at least 10 years, which is kind of strange to me. Not saying that they must be black or African-American. They must have identified as black or African-American. This according to the report. They must also prove at least two of eight additional criteria, choosing from a list that includes born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996 and have proof of residency in San Francisco for at least 13 years and or personally or the direct descendant of someone who is incarcerated for drugs in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. Interesting they'd put that in there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
plan also calls on the city to supplement lower income recipients income to reflect the area median income which is currently at about $97,000. Holy Toledo. So that, by the way, according to the proposal, would be $97,000 annually for the next 250 years, which seems weird because slavery I mean, didn't, if, go, if happen, didn't go on for 250 years. If you're... Uh, are you sure? I thought it did. I thought, I thought slavery uh, got... Mm. Anyway... I mean, um, the country's only been in existence for, what has our country been in existence for now? 1776 to 200, has, has it even been well, in I mean, existence was, but, for? But, but there was slavery in this area before 1776. It, it, not in San Francisco. Well, San Francisco wasn't even, not. yeah. So, I mean, not even close to being a city or an area inhabited by white people 250 years ago. No, it was actually a break-off republic from Mexico mm-hmm. uh, before that. plan also seeks to establish a comprehensive debt forgiveness program. So wait, there's more that clears each eligible person's student and housing loans, credit card debt, etc. So all debt would be wiped out. When slaves were freed, officially, after the Civil War, uh, the government promised every freed slave... 40 acres and a mule. That was a famous saying. Mm. 40 acres and a mule, which uh, they didn't give them. They decided that, uh, no, nah, that's too much. We're not going to do anything. And to do nothing was much cheaper. I'll give you that. Now, if you said, okay, well, we owe every black person uh, 40 acres and a mule, uh, that would be about $6.4 trillion that the United States would have to pay in reparations. And exactly where would you get 40 acres in a mule in San Francisco? Well, considering I, I, you, you can't get a I thousand feet for or a thousand feet square I, feet for a I, home. I don't know where they would have reliable mule sales, but my, maybe outside San Francisco. Maybe, maybe you could get mules who could live yeah. on the street. Uh, the 40 acres might be a little now, bit difficult. Now, about the 40 acres and a mule. Let's say that you were given 40 acres and a mule in, in 1866. Mm-hmm. Depending upon how the, the land is uh, developed, I mean, of course, the mule would die. That's what they do. <laughs> and uh, mules don't reproduce mules. So you uh, uh, would have the 40 acres, and depending on how it was developed, it would be worth somewhere between 80000 and a million dollars today. Uh, and that's and that's a fairly conservative um, estimate. So does that mean that uh, since you didn't get forty acres and a mule, you should get between eighty thousand and a million dollars each? That's considerably lower than five million, mind you. Now keep in mind, you're talking apples and oranges here. You're talking the rest of the country. This is specifically San Francisco, mm-hmm. which well, had no talk- which I was has just no part about in reparations in in, yeah, in I, general because I, I, it was the plan. It was the plan right. uh, when uh, Andrew Johnson was the president, but it just never came through. So the question here, beyond whether or not you think that reparations you know, should happen or not, where does $5 million per person plus another $100,000 per year for the next 250 years plus complete debt forgiveness for every black person that qualifies where does that money come from? Because they, they didn't say where it comes from. They just said that's how much money they should get. Okay. Keep in mind, last Unless year... Unless they've discovered a bunch of new veins of gold, <laughs> I'm thinking it, it, it may put them slightly into debt. Well, last year, um, California 
the whole state ran at a $22 billion debt last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco has been running at a debt for the last uh, at least five or six years, maybe even longer than that. So they don't say where the money is coming from. I, I guess maybe they can print money in San Francisco. I guess they have a mint in San Francisco. Hey, don't that's they? true, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the solution right there. 208336. Denver and Philadelphia are probably fine too. There you go. 208336-3700 pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. And this is Lewis out of California. Get this one. San Francisco's Reparations Committee is proposing a whopping $5 million to each black longtime resident. Not $5 million total, $5 million to each black resident, including total debt forgiveness. But that's not all. The plan also calls for the city to supplement lower income black recipients annually for the next 250 years. Where is all this money going to come from? Here for Reaction, Fox News contributor Leo Terrell and Epic Times host Larry Elder. Uh, Leo, Leo, help. <laughs> does every bad idea come out of California and how, how do they imagine this would get implemented? So first of all, it's not going to ever get implemented. I'll be the first lawyer to fight against this. Pete, Larry, this is outrageous, it's unlawful, it's unconstitutional, it's racist, but it's not surprising it came from California. On the day of MLK's life, birthday, we're talking about a racist program to benefit individuals who happen to be black, $5 million. California was a free state. Who's going to pay for it? Why should they get $5 million? Because of skin color? It's insulting. It's racist. And I'll tell you right now, this state a couple of years ago tried to pass Prop 16, an old version of affirmative action. It lost, even though that meant that there were sane Democrats who knew it's unfair to benefit one group over another because of skin color. One last point. Somebody said, judge a person by the character of his conduct, not the color of his skin. And that is a person that we should be following, not giving people $5 million based on skin color. It's outrageous. That is uh, California attorney Leo uh, Terrell. Also weighing in on this was uh, former gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder. He uh, echoed similar sentiments. Yeah, you know, reparations is the extraction of money from people who are never slave owners to be given to people who were never slaves. Uh, and Pete and Leo, what I want to know is, do I get the five million on top of the 233,000 that Gavin Newsom's task force already said that we get? And this business about supplementing income for the next 250 years, where did that come from? America wasn't a country until 1789. <laughs> uh, slavery ended in 1865, that's 76 years. So that's kind of fuzzy math. And um, as you pointed out, Leo, California was not a slave state. San Francisco was not a slave city. Uh, Michael Medved says only about 5% of white Americans have any sort of generational connection to slavery. So why should everybody else pay? Furthermore, slavery was a Democrat institution. Why don't Democrats pay? Uh, Jim Crow was a Democrat institution. Why don't Democrats pay? Very few Republicans own slaves. Why should Republicans pay a dime? The whole thing is absolutely insulting. What's next? They're going to give Mexico, back, California back to Mexico? <laughs> I mean, honestly.
Once again, that is that was, uh, actually, former, pro- that was actually proposed by Mexico. Gubernatorial yeah. candidate, uh, Texas, Larry too. Elder. Uh, by the way, you can't tell on the uh, video there, both of those, the uh, California attorney, Leo Terrell, and uh, a candidate, former gubernatorial candidate, Larry Elder, both black, weighing in on that. Well, that's a racist thing to say. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for being <laughs> racist. Well, mm. Uh, no numbers on this as of yet, so I don't even know how many number how many people would be in, uh, affected. Like I said, 18 years old, and have identified as Black or African American on public documents for at least 10 years. This is San Francisco, just San Francisco. So you could have been you, you could have been white before that, but it, if you've been Black for 10 years, then you that's you, what I, that's what I don't understand because it, it specifically says that is a little odd description. Isn't have it? identified as Black or African American on public documents for at least 10 years. They must also prove at least two of eight additional criteria. Choosing from that list, either born in San Francisco between 1940 and 1996, have proof of residency in San Francisco watch, at least no, 13 the, years. Watch that they've already figured this out, and in San Francisco, it turns out that's like 23, 23 people. 23 people. <laughs> and it very well be, there. I mean, there's so many um, limitations on this. Maybe there's only, you know, five people or ten people that would, Who knows? that would qualify for this, and maybe it wouldn't be that much. You know, the the other, and I know this, you know, is different, but, I mean, would you then have to talk about reparations for indigenous people who were mistreated? Um, I don't know. Would you have to talk about Chinese people who were enslaved, uh, the Japanese who were sent to camps during uh, World War II? Would they also, should they also get reparations in San Francisco? Because there were a lot of people in San Francisco. Uh, because they they had a large Japanese community that were sent to camps. Some of them sent to camps here in Idaho. True. So and, that, and that's also been proposed. Yeah. Um, like I said, the proposal doesn't say how many people would qualify. Also, didn't say um, where they would end up getting that money. Gordon De- deficit spending. Gordon New Plymouth. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you and all of your multitudes. The that who was that gentleman that called? It was pretty angry about. He said it was racist to give people money based on the color of their skin. He, he didn't right? call. That. He did, we, we were just he playing didn't a, call. Yeah. yeah, that was an uh, attorney. Uh, oh, that was an attorney. That was a well, California was attorney, up. Leo Terrell. Leo Terrell. He was really fired up. Um, I was thinking maybe San Francisco could just change the wording. You know, instead of saying black people or African American, they could say uh, and whose ancestors were enslaved people and leave the skin color out of it and that way you know i could that legal barrier could be uh conquered that way i, I could you prove could you prove that through dna i'm, I'm not sure how i mean oh, you, you I could, could you could like for instance you could prove somebody's ancestors came from cameroon but i don't yeah. think you could i don't think you can prove that later they lived in georgia or alabama or something you mean it would be difficult to establish that their ancestors were enslaved uh, Is that what you're saying? Po- possibly. To... Possibly, yeah. Oh. Like, like, for instance, okay, Barack Obama is black, but his ancestors were not slaves. His his father came directly from okay. Kenya to Hawaii, and, uh, and and like I said, he was never in, they were never enslaved in particular, but others were. You know, yeah, well, you know, the other funny thing that guy said, and I can hear it all, uh, late at night on, uh, anyway, he made a comment about the Democrats being responsible for enslavement and Jim Crow laws and that I've, I've heard that mentioned before. That's kind of interesting. Like every Democrat who had 
was in favor of Jim Crow. Every every Democrat who resisted integration of the '60s, they left the Democratic Party. Every one of them and went to and the Republican. Republican. <laughs> That's and true. So, About 1964, be- and the the thing that really highlighted it was when Strom Thurmond uh, switched from the Democrat to the uh, Republican Party. Uh, from in South Carolina because he was oh, a yeah. he was a big segregationist and you know ran for president on the segregation party. Wow, what an what an educated fellow you are. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, that's not, you know, I, don't confuse me with the fact. Thank you for the uh, phone call, Gordon. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's funny. Sorry. <laughs> Um, Robin writes in, hi, Mike and Chris. I'm wondering about biracial folks who may have descendants on both sides of the issue. I have biracial family members. As far as I know, my descendants did not participate in slavery, but because I'm white and my guilty by association, I can't see how monetarily this can ever be done. Or or does that balance you out? Yeah. (laughs) I owe myself money, so I'm going to pay myself nothing. Uh, I'm just going to write me a check for $5 million. Nobody ever said this was an easy thing to figure out. Uh, Jim from Eagle. Mike, the Spanish had slaves in the territories they claimed, including San Francisco. The Spanish had slaves in the New World 100 years before the Mayflower sailed. We get it from Spain. Yeah, there you go. Make Spain pay for it. Conquer Spain. Should should be really easy. Just write them and, hey, hey, here's your your IOU. You should get a lot of money for just selling off, you know, one of those cathedrals in Barcelona. (laughs) 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, while we're, we're at it, why don't we also talk about uh, something a little closer home to Idaho. Um, this was something we didn't get to on Friday, and I know we're running uh, close to the end of the show here today, so we might have to con- continue carrying this, but I want to get your thoughts. There's a campaign uh, going on in the Idaho legislature to allow undocumented Idahoans to get restricted driver's licenses. And I'm curious how you feel about this. Campaign supports and encourages Idaho legislature to pass legislation this year that would allow for an Idaho restricted driver's license for undocumented Idahoans. However, the very fact that you have a driver's license means that you are now documented. These would be documented just for driving. So the only thing that this would work for, yeah, the only thing that this would work for is to allow you to drive. It wouldn't allow you to vote. It wouldn't allow you to do anything else that a regular driver's license would allow you to do. Would it allow the IRS to know who you are? My guess is yes. Probably. Okay. Maybe. I I, I don't know for sure uh, whether or not that would be the case, or if it's already the case, even though you don't have a driver's license. it right now has the support of the Idaho Dairymen's Association that uh, would permit all individuals to obtain, obtain a restricted driver's license in the state of Idaho through the Idaho Department of Motor Vehicles. My, my guess is the entire agricultural industry would be in Pro- favor of this. Probably anybody it, who uses would, undocumented it workers, would, It right? would certainly make it easier to hire people and for those people to be able to drive. According to uh, Pew Research Center, Idaho currently has an undocumented immigration population that is close to 35,000. By providing restricted driver's licenses to undocumented immigrants, Idaho stands to improve safety for all drivers, boost Idaho's economy, and acknowledges the contributions of immigrants. The passing of the legislation would boost Idaho's economy. If you're wondering how it would do that, it would create an influx of money that the Department of Motor Vehicles would receive for licenses and administration fees. To cover the cost associated with this act, restricted driver's license acts would have a $50 biannual fee paid for by an individual seeking to get 
their license. Additional funding would come from titles and registrations that would gen- generate over $700,000 uh, expected over 30 months. So just a curious question to you. No right or wrong answers. You good with this? Are you good uh, allowing undocumented workers in Idaho, the 30,000, 30 to 35,000 population to be able to get their driver's license? It's specifically just an undocumented driver's license. Basically, so it okay. would look different ne- than mind. normal driver's license. But never mind the word undocumented. Basically what you're saying is are you okay with people who came into this country illegally getting a driver's license? Getting a driver's license. That's it. Because that's why you're undocumented is because you came into the country illegally, right? 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 951, thanks for listening in and being a part of the show. Remember, you can always be more of a part of the show by calling us or emailing. 208-336-3700, Email chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Steve in Eagle, you're on Newstalk KBOI. Good morning to you. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, we're talking about the undocumented workers getting licenses. I can tell you from previous experience that in the past, all the states that do do it, it always seems to either um, cause other issues that just opens the door for more of them to come here illegally. And then, of course, anybody can pick up a hammer. They can go do landscaping, start a business, because now they feel safe that they got a license and they're kind of legal here. And they're, And all it does is it creates more impact to our schools. I mean, it's pretty obvious what they've done to California. They keep dropping the bar on this. They used to not allow contractors licenses to be issued out so easily. I mean, they're very hard to get. They dropped the bar on that and they said, well, now you just need a TIN number. You don't need a social security number. So all in all, all it's done is it's created open gates for more and more to come here. And, And I think that's the bad thing about it is, yes, the ag industry takes a hit on this, but then the reality of it is most of these guys don't want to come over here and work ag anyway. They can go get a hammer and go frame houses and go get a trowel, pour concrete, and they're going to make a lot more money doing that. And so that's the balance between all of this. Is it's, it's very difficult, but we've just seen so many other problems that stem out of this. All right, so you're a no. Thank you for the call. Appreciate no. it. Uh, Dan New Meadows writes in, I absolutely agree with this proposal. As long as the test is administered by a person who can ensure these people understand enough English to drive safely, such as read street signs. Already in our area in West Central Mountains, we have a very large population of un- undocumented people who operate their vehicles recklessly. I would go as far as to support drivers training for these people so as to make the roads we opera- operate on a safer place to travel. In our town of around 500 people, we have approximately 5% uh, of uh, the population who came here since 2020, and none of them speak English. That's Dan and New Meadows. I guess, I mean, one way to look at this is, I mean, there are, as, as mentioned in that report, thirty to 35,000 undocumented workers here that are probably all driving anyway, right? Mm, yeah, I would imagine so. Or a good so. portion of them are probably driving without knowing the rules and laws of the road. This would make sure that for them to do it, they would have to go through the training process, learn how to drive, learn the uh, rules of the road to get the driver's license. Now, once again, I want to reiterate that this card cannot be used for federal purposes, including voting or to demonstrate a lawful presence. It's only 
a driver's license and it would even look completely different than current driver's license. For instance, our driver's license, you read them across, this mm-hmm. would be vertical instead. Well, in order to drive, you need more than just a driver's license. You have to have proof of insurance, right? Right. If you, well, you have to have proof of insurance if you own a car. And, and this is what, well, it, it, even as a driver, though, it says uh, somebody wrote in, they didn't uh, sign their name, but it says what happens when they hit you or I on the road. Undocumented drivers hardly ever heard of insurance. It is foreign to them. I have dealt with it. They lost in court. I never saw a penny still to this day. Uh, and that's, people have said that a lot. If you get into uh, if you get into a car accident with somebody who's an undocumented, their insurance company doesn't pay because right. generally they don't have one. Now, you know, as as far as according to the law right now, just because you have a driver's license, you don't have to show proof of insurance. The proof of insurance comes from the vehicle owner. Okay. So I, as an owner of the vehicle, would have to show proof of insurance to a you know for somebody else to drive it. So they would be showing my proof of insurance. If they get pulled over for not having proof of insurance, guess who gets in trouble? It's me as the owner of the vehicle. Makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, another. This is a text message in at two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. Uh, no name says yes. I would like illegals to be able to obtain a driver's license. This way, they would know the rules of the road. I had an individual who bought a car, then came after me for not providing insurance for that car. They had no idea of the rules of Idaho or other states. It sounds like a lot of Idahoans too. Yeah. Thanks for the phone calls and emails. Uh, we're on a twenty hour break. Thanks for participating in the show. We'll be back again coming up tomorrow morning. It is 9.56. Have a great day.